Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I didn't get to I'm like, glad your mom wasn't here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Not wearing a mariachi suit? I don't know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bagging Broadcast, episode number 101. Got to put a lot more numbers in this now when we're talking about it. Um, I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three main segments. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what we do. We do yeah, that. but I, it's been No, like, it's a week. Paul, okay, it's a week. week. Yeah, okay. It's just a week. <laughs> uh, and then what we also do that uh, takes place in the week is uh, the, the week uh, coming up, the ninth, the comic books we're looking forward to coming out. Yes, coming we out in that way. <laughs> coming, coming out into the stores that we're looking forward to reading. It's all Alpha Flight. <laughs> North Star. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating topic. Uh, this week we're actually doing our September look back. Uh, talking about three books that came out during the month of September. Um, we've got two from DC. We're talking about Penguin, Pain and Prejudice, number one. And Huntress, number one. And then from Marvel, we've got X-Men Regenesis, number one. All this reading makes me thirsty. It does. And we have a Indian Pale Lager, not an ale, from uh, Jack Abbey Brewery out in, um, it's just outside of Boston. Um, do you see what, does it say where, what town? Uh, Farmington. Farmington. Farmingham. 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 Um, and this brewery has been around for three months. Hmm. Um, these two friends uh, loved brewing, loved beer, and came out. All they brew are lagers. Um, they have a black lager, which is is like a stout or a porter, but it's still got what makes a lager a lager, and there's other beers with that. What, what's the uh, what's the split between an ale and a lager? Um, it's a They're, difference. Those are the two branches, right? You either make ales or you make lager. And then everything's like in... I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like... Because it branches off and then it roots those, down. I there. think it's... Um, on what level, um, <clears throat> on what, either something is added and it stays on the, like, I think it's a bottom fermentation and then a top fermentation. There's something that's split that something happens on the top level that makes it like an, an ale and the bottom that makes it a lager. Oh, so lagers are the bottoms. Something like that. It's It could be reversed. I don't remember exactly what. Because that would fit in with. That's talking about comic books coming out. Comic books suddenly come out every Wednesday. This this week being on the ninth, they're coming. They're coming out on the ninth to stores. The stores. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I it has a really good that hoppy nose to it. Um, this has been sitting in the refrigerator in a growler for a little bit more than a week now. For, for uh, yeah, for eight days. So I know you were um, talking about how it's not as carbonated, fizzy as it was. It's before. not. Um, I had this last Saturday, and then. My brother-in-law and I both bought growlers of it. I had it on Monday, and it still had that. It just was a little crisper. It, it just seems a little flat on all its notes, where on Monday it still was just amazing, amazing beer. 
It still has that really just like hoppy, like yeah. a dry mm-hmm. flavor. It's good. It's got a nice little kind of grapefruit fruit I, taste to I it. I wish it had more of it. Yeah. Like, that's what I love out of an IPA. Uh, and the, the reason I got this is like, I think this is one that all of us can agree is a great IPA. Like, my, my brother-in-law says, I mean, there's um, <clears throat> the Squall by Dogfish Head, which is like his number one favorite IPA, and then this. And I think if he had this, he'd be like, I don't want to ever drink this again, because it's not as good as it was last week. Yeah, that the citrus notes don't really pop. It's yeah. just that dryness that's left in my mouth. It has the promise of it, though. Like, mm-hmm. I could see, like, if we had had this, like, a few days ago, it probably would have been, like, yeah. much better. And I think, I think it's just, it's just, it's just off a little bit, which, kind of, I wanted to drink this so, right away. Like, so, I got home Sunday from Boston, and I was like, podcast, podcast, Chris, podcast? And he's like, I think Paul said you can't do it this week. And I was like, oh. I sent it to you guys on Thursday. Yeah. My, you know what? For I, the, the messaging now is like I, I have a different messenger on it, and it didn't. I didn't get the message till <laughs> this just in on the bag broadcast. John makes excuses. I didn't get it. As it news. I, I wanted to make sure I guys I gave you guys plenty of notice because I didn't want to. Well, John, yeah, John was in Boston yeah. too, so you know, I, I understand. I, I feel bad because you were so excited, and then I let you down. It's okay. It's all right. But I do have to say, we are drinking out of official Red Phone Zone pint glasses. Yeah, it's uh, part of a care package sent to us by Aaron and the guys over at Red Phone Zone. For our 100th episode, we got uh, laser-etched Red Phone Zone glasses. They're very cool, and I think this is going to be what we drink out of now. So, our hey, glasses. Thank you much. Uh, Scott hasn't given us our other pint glasses back. Also true. <laughs> they were a Christmas present, weren't they? Yeah, and we were like, oh, we always do the podcast here. We'll save them and do the, use them just for the podcast. <laughs> should break in and take those. <laughs> is, it, is it still breaking and entering and stealing if they're already yours? Uh, yeah. Possession's nine-tenths of the law. I don't know if that's true, but people always say that. I have Scott's ratchet set at my house and also his uh, air compressor, so we can do a prisoner exchange. <laughs> Please, like, swap those. Yeah. I think we could just, like, ask him and they'd be like, oh, yeah, here. Yeah, I, I keep on forgetting. I keep on saying, I'm going to bring those in. I think it's more fun if we don't, though, because it's something we can always just talk about instead of not here. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Something else we could talk about. What's happening in the week? Oh, John just made a segue. I know. Well, uh, I know we haven't talked about it, and it's been news for a while. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. Some people do like it. I'm on the camp. I think I might like it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mass Effect, the Mass Effect series. I have yet to play the iPhone game for it. Uh, I didn't even Gal- know there was an iPhone yeah, game. Yeah, Mass Effect Ga- Galaxy. So you follow... Uh, one of the characters that are playable in Mass Effect 2. But uh, in Mass Effect 3, there will be co-op. Uh, a lot of people were distressed about there being co-op in, like, Portal 2. Uh, they said they don't need it. And I, I, I don't think we had this kind of discussion. Do you guys look forward to co-op in games that you don't necessarily My first question for this, is this, like, a campaign co-op, or is this, like, a different multiplayer? Uh, if you played... Mode? Mass Effect 1, from what I understand so far, is it's kind of like that expansion or DLC pack that you got, the Pinnacle Station, where you play a shepherd and you go to Pinnacle Station, and then there's challenge arenas. Okay. So it's going to be kind of, because the the universe is now being uh, invaded by the uh, Reapers, so there's going to be planets that they're getting invaded. 
uh, and you go in and play as the last stand uh, for that planet, that last stand planetary defense. So you don't play as Shepard anymore. You actually get to create like every, you know, you have your infiltrators, your you know heavy weapon specialists, those kind of things. And each one will have like different races associated with them. Like infiltrators, you'll be able to play as the uh, I always forget their names, the Salarians, or you know the weapon specialists, probably the Turians. You know, stuff like that, Krogans. So you get to make your own, you know, play as those different races. So that's a kind of a cool thing. First in the time in the Mass Effect world that you get to actually play those kind of races. But, uh, so you'll, like, make this arena, like, match. And you'll basically be trying to survive the waves and waves of okay. invading. Like, kind of like the horde mode. The horde mode in, yeah. uh, like, Gears of War. Mm-hmm. There's other objectives, like you have to capture points, you know, and it'll be random, or def- you have to get someplace, survive kind of the war, like, and defeat it's the like, bomb. What, or uh, like Battlefront. Yeah. yeah. Now instead of any Star like a Wars. conquest mode, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be... So, from so you're actually, you're just doing co-op fun stuff with friends mm-hmm. through the game, not playing the actual campaign co-op. And this is where people on the internet are getting freaked out because Massive uh, Bioware did say that it could affect like how much you've done in that co-op realm could affect the ending for Mass Effect Three. Oh, so I mean, it, it gets cool. it gets people out there, and it's a game that every little choice you make decides mm-hmm. something in that universe. So uh, that's kind of interesting to do that, except for the kids that don't have the internet. Yeah. But, or I mean, don't pay for Xbox Live. You're still going to get an ending. Yeah, you're right. still going to get a full game experience. It's just something extra. But I'm not going to get the best ending. <laughs> you know, and that's the kind of you know things that people worry about. These things you play through and you want to see each and every ending. So to then pay the $60 and not be able to see all yeah, the but, endings possibly. You know what? But I understand the problem, but yeah. I... The, the other thing is, is I mean, you're, you're saying... Sixty dollars, but that's a whole year. These people just need two weeks, you know. Yeah. How often? How you played a million times? Yes. <laughs> how how often? How long does it take you to beat the game? Uh, the quickest I've ever played through Mass Effect One was like twenty hours, like twenty two hours. Mass Effect Two, I think I did one run in like eighteen hours. Yeah, that's not bad. So I mean, that, I mean, you pay for a month, which is. I mean, I don't know. Like, you can do um, ten dollars a month through Xbox Live. Yeah, so I mean, ten bucks, <laughs> you could get you could get enough play in, in the play, co-op stuff. PlayStation Three is free online as well, as long as you have like broadband internet at your house. So, but you need to have broadband <clears throat> internet. There's are areas in the United States that it's not available. Yeah, no, but you know, we don't um, care about those people. But you're still getting a full game. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I've never picked up a game just for multiplayer. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just not that guy. I'm very much more of a campaign mode. DCUNU? Or DC Universe or Online? DC Universe Online. Very different. Final Fantasy Thirteen. Final Fantasy Thirteen. yes. Um, but I mean like a... You know what I mean. Those yeah, are multiplayer those, only yeah. because it's massively multiplayer games. Those are picked up because that's how you play that game. Right. But you know, stuff like Dead Island, Borderlands, Left 4 Dead. Dead, I've played that with you guys. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not the kind of guy that I'm just going to go on and play a game for the <clears throat> multiplayer and not even go to the campaign. Because that's what most people do with the online stuff. 
The only game I've ever really played online just for fun was the Transformers game, and that was after I did yeah. the campaign stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you play the campaign to learn the basics so you can go online, like StarCraft? That's I, it's tutorial so you can play online. Honestly, I, I do the multiplayer stuff because I enjoyed the game mm-hmm. and I want to keep playing it, but I've already finished it, so it's like, right. oh, I can do this now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, the most I've done is like um, with World at War, the one Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. Like, I played that. Well, I, the, I, the Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Duty, yeah. Sorry. Because that was a World War II game. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm saving somebody from emailing. We oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't get any of those. Eh, if you want to, contact at bangboardcast.com. But, I mean, that's, I really like the game, and I mm-hmm. really like the multiplayer on that. I've tried uh, Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried doing that, and it's I didn't find it as fun. I didn't get into it. You uh, love killing dogs. That's the one perk that you would get out for uh, killing I love killing those dogs. They were bad guy dogs. They deserved it. Like Rin Tin Tin. Oh, Rin Tin Tin deserves it the most. He's the Hitler of dogs. Oh, he looks so smug, being all shaggy and things. Rin Tin Tin wasn't shaggy. You're thinking about Benji or Bingo. He was thinking about Benji. Yeah, <laughs> very different dogs. <laughs> why you always record. Well, save us! Ask us about Batman! (laughs) We had a huge conversation about this an hour ago. When we thought we were recording. I can't save it. (laughs) I can't save us when you keep on digging deeper. Well, stop me. You're digging and just shoveling dirt on top of me. I can't save us. Someone has to dig the grave for episode number 101. Oh. oh, and we have. Hey, we're oh. starting. We're starting a new, but yet we're the same. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so <laughs> if, you can, if you can't understand what just happened, um, we were talking a lot and didn't realize that our field recorder was full, so we lost everything that we were saying. And there was such great banter. There was great banter. We were into the main topic. You were uh, missing out. We're back. We're back to the weekend geek. So we're back in time. <laughs> hey! Time machine. Time machine. Hey, it, daylight savings time ended today, and uh, now we're back in standard time, and that hour that the, everybody lost, we did too. Except we recorded great banter during that hour. No, we didn't record great banter. <laughs> <laughs> we only thought we did. And we lost oh. it. This is what happens when we cheap out on the podcast equipment. That's all I can say. I'll tell you what's not cheaping out, though, because I want to talk about another beer that we're drinking right now. Um, I'm not drinking it right now because should, I got the other beer. You should finish that beer, Paul. Um, it's getting into holiday time. Uh, the other day I picked up a six-pack six of the Great Lakes Brewing Company uh, Christmas Ale Great Lakes from Cleveland, Ohio. We've had their stuff on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, we love the... Uh, the, the Elliot Ness, Ness, also the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a solid brewery. I saw the Christmas sale at the store. I haven't had this before. I picked it up. Very good. Um, if you love ginger, you're like gingerbread, boom, that's what you got in this beer. It's it, a gingerbread beer. It's got that multi taste. It's got that ginger. It's got like that kind of like cinnamon nutmeggy spice to it. It's but it's not overpowering. Um, when I first like tried this Ooh. the other day when I bought this, I was expecting a lot more like that kind of spice, almost like. Mm-hmm. A, 
like a fall beer, but it's got more of that sweetness to it. So I, I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's like gingerbread. It's like eating gingerbread, like a gingerbread cookie. I just... Take, took a sip and then burped a little bit, and I felt like I burped up Christmas. Oh man, oh. Christmas burps! Yeah, I know it was, it's kind of crazy. There's a very light flavor on after you swallowed it. The aftertaste is very light, but it leaves you with this like uh, with the uh, spices up on the uh, top end of your tongue, but the back end, it's very drinkable. Yeah, it's very yeah exactly. Uh, like I killed two of these the other night when I was sitting there watching Grimm. Like I just I had one and I was like. I'm gonna get another one. Um, they're very pleasant. There's nothing overpowering about them. Yeah, you could drink these. Any anyone who likes like the food around Christmas, like gingerbread or that stuff, anybody could drink this. This is accessible to anyone. It's so weird because normally you hear <laughs> spices and you don't actually think of any particular like holiday with the spices. Yeah. Other than pumpkin pie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any association with Christmas spices, but somehow... It's got, it's got it, though. It's got the Christmas spices. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, marketing, labeling, I'm very susceptible to you, apparently. Or they just know. I think, I think it's just... It says um, handcrafted ale with spices and honey. I don't get too much honey. Yeah, I don't get... I mean, it's got a little bit of sweet to it, but... Go ahead. Like, I've had beers before that... Just and I said, man, you really taste like a honey flavor on this. This I don't. Well, you can get. You, I can kind of get the honey. It's the, it's the sweet that you get. Well, we just finished a candy bar. Yeah, we just had candy bars. Yeah. So because I only had one trick or treater this year, how dare you? And Paul's one of those great candy giver outers that he gives away whole candy bars. Only to those that deserve it. Whoa! You know, you know my system. No, what is the system? Paul, what's the system? This was not discussed on the show before. No, the, the, we have started a whole new show for 101. Whole new show, 101. 101.2. And we're getting we're getting good banter. Yeah. Uh, if you want to win a t- chance <laughs> to be on the part of the podcast <laughs> to be here to witness the show that you didn't get, you got to email us, <laughs> listeners. Hey, we did that in the old show, too. <laughs> Contact at fagmanboardcast.com, and maybe you can win a chance to be here. While we record, not which, recording. Which means you'd have to fly yourself to Buffalo, New York. <laughs> and we'll tell uh, you where we live. So and maybe one of us would pick you up. Or we'd maybe <laughs> get a cab here. And you would just sit here. And then you wouldn't be allowed to stay here after we were No, you had to, <laughs> had to go back. Right away. On trip. I guess unless you were Aaron. You'd get a, we'd give you a beer if you were a beer. Oh, you'd have a beer, yeah. Definitely. Oh, you'd have to, yeah. No, you have to bring the beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's better. <laughs> Good luck getting that on the plane, sucker. <laughs> you can only carry four ounces at a time. You have to flee, fly back, get more, and then come back. Four ounces at a time. Hide it in your little toothpaste tube. Hide it in your little shampoo tube. So I remember when 101 was a great episode. <laughs> it's getting better. We're getting there. What's your system, though, Paul? Paul teased them. The Pomegranate trick or treating system. If you're, like, elementary school age, and maybe middle school age, and you're wearing a costume, you get a full-size candy bar. No questions asked. If you're Do you ask questions, though, Paul? Well, I say, did you say trick-or-treat? Well, that is a question. <laughs> that is a question. 
Unless they're wearing... The McGowan system's already built on a lie. My sister, OG, answered the door. She goes, I'm going to make you work for it. And the, then the kids are like... they start. Well, some of them start shaking their stuff. What? Um, the other the other ones go trick or treat. I, I think that's what covered under Megan's law. I'm pretty sure your sister's not allowed to have her lights on after like six o'clock on Halloween. I think. Yeah. Or pumpkins out in front of her house. I asked them to. You know, so we smashed that we shit. Smashed them. <laughs> One o'clock in the morning, we drove Ow. over there and smashed her pumpkins. All true, listeners. Oh, no, we true. drove over them in our car. I beat my horn. I forgot to light my jack o' lanterns this year. That's Maybe why I got one. Trigger. I had my lights on on the porch, and we had decorations up. I heard you had to come out of your house and wave people over to your house. <laughs> yes, basically, the one trick or treater I had. Um, Did his friends decide to sit back? No, no, taken around by her mom. So, uh, my sister was she is, of age to. In your system? She, no, she was too old, and she wasn't wearing a costume. She got nothing. Whoa. The girl you had it wave over? No, no. The little girl got a full-size candy bar because she was, like, elementary school age, and she was a pig or piglet. I'm not even sure. But she was wearing the pig ears, and she had some sort of costume on. Was she piglet from Winnie the Pooh? I think so, but she didn't have a stout. Did she see the Winnie the Pooh movie? Because she probably could have helped out in the... Bagging board cast bracket buster. <laughs> yeah. She was the only one. <laughs> we have the numbers to prove that. But uh, uh, yeah, but she got a full size candy bar. If you're like high school age and wearing a costume, then you'll get like whatever kind of crap candy I happened to buy that year. This year it was bags of Dum Dum lollipops. Hmm. We got one of those. If you're above high school age, high school age and above, and you're wearing a crappy costume, like you come wearing a Bill's like jacket or hoodie, and you say you're a Bill's fan, you get like a spider ring. <laughs> what? Is so Paul's the person that buys spider rings, what? and so I think keep making. No, them. no, I just have them <laughs> from all the years that we've had them for. What? What <laughs> if they're Luckily, like a high schooler? They're like in the high school age, and they have an awesome. Costume. If they have an awesome, someone costume, from the bagging broadcast has to stop liking our pictures that we put up because it just says you like this. Oh, that's me. It doesn't count yeah. as someone else. I always think it's going to be it me. It doesn't. No, oh, it's so weird that we're linked. I don't. I don't. What's like really weird is the one time I wrote something on our Facebook. Every time I go to like, that's why you have to sign it. Because no, 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 I did. Me. But ever since then, whenever I write my own status, I have the bagged and board picture as my picture. Then you have to go and... No, no, it still goes under yeah, my name. it still comes up under you, but yeah. But I have it instead of the picture that's huh, that's my very weird. picture. Very weird. So we were talking about co-op? And oh, no, we're still talking about your... Yeah, yeah, my system. Yeah. And if you're under... If the kid is under elementary school age and being carried, or in a stroller, or, you know, wagon, or whatnot... Then they get animal crackers, a packet of animal crackers, because they can't enjoy a full-size candy bar. But the parents could. I'm not giving the parents the candy. They can go out and buy their own damn candy. They could. They probably have jobs because they have a child. Yeah, I would hope so. It's not always true, though. Not always true. And then they don't deserve my candy. Mm. Do I look like the state? No, I'm not welfare. No, you're not. No. I'm judgmental when it comes to Halloween. If you I know have you have four different things that you're giving out. Yeah. I have a four-tier system. <laughs> I love that, like, like Paul's going to get beat up one of these years on Halloween because some kid's going to go, 
fucking spider ring <laughs> knock on your door like pull you out of your house <laughs> they would have to jump through and the you know door what's great? you know what's because great because I bring down the window what's gonna be great is you're gonna get pulled out of your house beaten <laughs> up and your wife's just gonna be sitting in the other room like with the dog and be like Bubbers what's happening <laughs> Paul's just like getting pounded um <clears throat> Watching Paranormal Activity too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how do we get this back on track? Which I tried. Which was a fun movie. Was like, wait, I I was just doing it with Paranormal Activity too. Why did you do this? How did Paranormal Activity two get us back to co-op? We were, I was just going to jump from co-op right to what Chris's topic was, which was 3D movies. I was just letting that lie. I didn't know that. I thought we were still talking about the co-op. Okay, co-op. Is there any video game that... No. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Why would I bring it back there? It's a dead end. I'm not going to turn down the same dead end streets. We, had, we talked about the Batman stuff. It was fun. Yeah, we can't do that again. It's been ruined. Answer. Because Sully. Chris doesn't want to play co-op with other people he'd only want to do with us unless it's like horror mode where he can just beat up people. Yes, and then I don't use my headset because I don't have to talk to him. Mm-hmm. But if it was like Batman and he was sending Robin up to take care of the snipers... You know what, Paul? He we never asked it. you what you thought about this for... Uh... I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I give a shit about, though. <laughs> Peter Jackson just put up the new video blog, number four, from the set of The Hobbit. Um, talking about how they're actually filming this one in 2D as well as 3D. Actually, I'm looking I forward to seeing it. I, I don't care, Paul. I don't give a shit. What do you think? <laughs> and I just want our listeners to know that I segued this like a motherfucker <laughs> last time we recorded this. It was really good. Everyone said they were proud of me. Yeah, we did. <laughs> There's no documentation of that. Um, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson's The Hobbit coming out December 2012. I'm really Wallow. looking forward to it's it. Um, Peter Jackson's a great filmmaker. He loves what he does. He respects the source material. Um, not for 3D movies, but I'm definitely seeing this one day one, 3D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a director like that with the care and everything that he puts into this, definitely... One of the movies that I want to see in 3D. The other one that I wanted to see in 3D was Tron, just because uh, it was shot in 3D, meant to be in 3D, and I think that's a big thing that makes these movies worthwhile is when they're actually shot in 3D, not just added after the fact. Even with Tron, though, I felt like I was just looking at a diorama. I feel like I'm just saying the words that I just said before, though. Ah, oh, I hate not having us recorded. Uh, it just still felt flat. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's any added textures or added real value from 3D. I've seen Tron in 3D. I know that Thor wasn't really shot in 3D, but I saw that in 3D. And things do get muddied. I am happy with what Chris said before, where... Peter Jackson, nobody else has heard that. <laughs> right. Where Peter Jackson went and has been brightening up all the costumes and making costume decisions based on 3D. I just don't trust the theaters to actually invest in brighter bulbs to actually make the 3D experience worthwhile. And we, and I think it's kind of becoming a little bit of a poison pill to have 3D attached to the movie because some theaters are refusing to carry movies as 3D because of the higher expense that the studio charges and because some people, people are now not going to see them because we've had so many of those crap movies that just had the 3D after effect. Yeah, I think it, I think it's very true what you just said. Yes, I agree. 
Yeah, not you, every single movie needs to be in 3D. Yes, like Underworld, which is in 3D, the new Underworld Awakening. Um, but I'm still going to see it, not in 3D, though. Not even to see uh, Kate Beckner sales for us in 3D? No, unless it's like Paranormal Activity 2 type business. <laughs> or, or like a book that <laughs> you might have. Like I got for my birthday. <laughs> yes, that's why I was bringing it. But yes, Paranormal Activity 2, though. Come on. Those were big boobs. Howie Beckham. Oh yeah, that's what I brought it up. <laughs> he did bring um, it there. This is all on me. <clears throat> but yeah, there's boobs in Paranormal Activity too. You heard it here first. <laughs> or, and what you didn't hear was great later. banter about it. <laughs> I don't think we actually had that banter <laughs> that on the podcast. That was no, we I, we brought it in. We did we bring it up a little we, bit. We did it. We did Paul impersonations talking about it too. Yeah. You are just above that beer line. Too. I know, it's so close. I just dropped my pen in my beer, everybody. You know, everyone... Visual. <laughs> a visual st- uh, storytelling method is comic books. And comic books are coming out November 9th. Chris, what book are you looking forward to? Well, I'm actually looking forward to a book from DC Comics. I am. And let me tell you, that segue that I just made was not as awesome as the segue John made not. before. Well, you gotta, I made two really good ones. You gotta all the do. ones I've crapped on and walked over and not known that they were segues. He basically made up for in those I two I did, segues. like, two amazing ones. But since they don't exist on the show... They don't. They never We still existed. get to rag on you for it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, I'm actually looking forward to The Huntress Number 2, DC Comics, um, written by Paul Levitz, drawn by Marcus Toe. Were you looking more forward to this because of the writer Paul Levitz or Marcus Toe? Whoa, deja vu. I feel like I've been asked that question before. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get into our main topic. But it's more the art of Marcus Toe. What? I am shocked. To. I am shocked by your answer, sir. You should be. I gave the same answer when we recorded this before. <laughs> I know. Or not recorded. <laughs> We're still good. I'm watching the screen this time. I'm, I'm looking quite frantically as well. And well, you should. But what I'm looking forward to is number three of Demon Knight by Porkano. Porkano. We've been drinking in between our recordings. We've been drinking through our recordings. (laughs) We just... I do feel like once we were demoralized by the fact that we lost like an hour recording, we just hit it hard. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically what happened. Hey, Uh, Cheers. Don't break them. <laughs> Need to drink from this. Uh, written by Paul Cornell in Diogenes. Diogenes Nieves. Nieves. Uh, and I've, I've. This is the breakout book from the New Fifty Two. Really surprised by this. Um, actually, all the ones that I've liked, I've really been surprised by. Um, but this one, especially, I didn't pick it up. I or I. It's not one that I picked. It's not one that I wanted. It was kind of left over for me that I picked and I'm really happy that I did. Hey, it was between that and Legion of Superheroes <laughs> yeah, yeah. that I got stuck with after taking Legion Lost, which was a dumb pick. Yeah. <laughs> so you pick and you know what, this was a book that I wasn't interested in because it said Demon Knight. <clears throat> but what also it said on the cover was Paul Cornell. And I should have trusted that name Paul Cornell. Here's my thoughts on it. I know this has nothing to do with it at all, but as soon as I heard the title of this book, 
I automatically thought of Baywatch Nights. <laughs> and I, I, didn't get to say, I didn't get to say that before because I was in the bathroom when you guys were talking about it. I saw one episode. That's all you need to see. I think I only ever saw one episode. It was episode. only really showed one episode. <laughs> was it the one with the like hot vampire that always wore the No, I saw one of the werewolf. Oh, really? Was there a lot of mist, though? I just remember it being dark yeah. and a lot of mist. Very misty. <laughs> and for, for whatever reason... Oh, save me, Mitch. Yeah. The mist is getting me. For whatever reason, David Hasselhoff's character... Like, the vampire woman was in love with David Hasselhoff's character. Was she, was she German? That would make sense. It's probably because of the cool car he drove. But it, but it, but it, but it. But yeah. Pick us up, kid. Save us from our segways. I love this book. That's what I thought of. And I was not looking forward to it at all. But yeah, it's a solid, solid book, solid pick. It's a great, uh, great cast of characters. And it's just boom, fun. Boom. And it's, mm-hmm. it's those characters you don't see all the time mm-hmm. working in, working mm-hmm. together in a different light. You see them in a different view. Than you normally do. Should I bust your chops again, or should we just not? Go for it. So this is issue number three coming up? Yeah. Didn't you say you would let me borrow issue number two? But I know you already picked it up. Yeah, I know. Because I didn't guys. trust you. You're just one of those guys that you see in the store and you had to do it because, one, you probably had to pick it up so you could use your debit card. No, no. <laughs> I had oh, no one. No, all the number twos that you were going to buy, that we had to talk you out of most try, of them. Try to talk me out. Demon might be one of them. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm like, I don't trust that John actually many, picked this up. How many of those ones that we talked you out of that you still got anyways? Uh, the ones that I still got anyways was were uh, Batgirl, Demon Knight, Stormwatch. Did you order Stormwatch? No. Okay. Then Storm. I well, then that's not one. Batgirl. Did I already say that? Yes. Yeah. You only listed like four books, Batgirl. No, but I'm talking though. like we talked you Demon out Knight, of. Yeah. You were going to continue. Mr. Terrific. Batgirl. And Demon Knight were the like the four books there that was, I still I can't picked remember. up. Yeah, but we talked stuff. you out of getting like Batwing and I did, the Legion. I picked books. up Batwing still, but I didn't pick up the third. What about the Legions? I didn't have a pick. Okay, the good. We fought hard for you yeah. not to. The Legions of Superheroes. <laughs> okay, this is where Paul starts justifying it, everyone. <laughs> wasn't that bad. Welcome to the part of the show where Paul relapses. <laughs> Because it's interesting to see it have a book where there's a he bunch only of, hit me because he loves me. <laughs> where there's a bunch of stories going on all in the same book, b- bunch of storylines, and that's why I'm looking forward to one shot number one from Marvel Comic Books. Only if it's worth a dollar. Only if they charge me a dollar, though, because this seems like it's a selling point. It's trying to set up the events of the upcoming year open in the Marvel universe. You sell that to me for a dollar with all those different writers on it, with all the different events events happening, then uh, maybe I'll pick it up. I'm a little afraid of, because Marvel's website does not list how much it costs, and Diamond it's, has enough David Lear shipping list yet, so I have no idea. It's Marvel. I'm thinking you're probably going to be looking at two ninety nine. So. Oh, yeah. They're not going to. Not, not three ninety nine like this one shot? Well, this is like a big X-Men book, though. And of course... As we're saying this, we're pointing out X-Men Regenesis number one. Which leads us right into our main topic. Oh. Oh. And we're basically back to where we lost it, kind of. But we still we're close. We're, we're close. We're close. getting there. Um, let's get the one and only Marvel book we got out uh, of the way first. It's written by uh, Karen Gillian. Art by uh, Billy Tam. 
who Chris and I both loved on Young Avengers, and this definitely feels like a rush job for, on the art side. I, I really feel like what happened with this. Sorry, John. No, go ahead. Is um, basically they came out like they were doing Schism, and they were going to be like using that to go into two new X Men books, and then they were kind of like, oh, we need it's something more to bridge the, the gap. Whole X Men line. Let's get something out there that kind of you know tells what happened between this. And I feel like that's really what happened here. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. The only thing that, <clears throat> not that there's anything I find redeeming about this book, but I really, really love the cover. Um, and I, I forget who. Chris Pacello. Chris Pacello. It, it's just that kind of pulpy look to it that I just really love in my art. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. And when I looked at this cover, I was like, oh, man, this might be a really good X-Men book. And then it opened up, and I was like, ah, oh, this isn't the same. And it opens up to this weird fight between Wolverine and Cyclops. So they're like cavemen. cavemen. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really bizarre. That was interjected just because those are the only fight scenes that happen in this whole book. And I was expecting a book that... I absolutely love. It's picking the team. It's getting the team together. It's, it's it's Justice League number one. It's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman picking out who they're going to have on Justice League. And this is Dodgeball and Wolverine's on one team, team captain, and Cyclops the other team captain. Let's see who they pick. And you know what? The X and what you get out of this are the X Men. They don't really care which side they're no. going for. No. It's just kind of like, well, I think I'm just going to stay here because, you know... Oh, I have a bar here. I'm going to stick around. Yeah, or, you know, uh, my plant needs a lot more sun and it'll get it, you know, away here. from Utopia, you know? I feel exactly the same way. I feel like the teams were set <clears throat> already and now the writer's coming in and writing reasons for those teams to be there. Instead of having it more organically, and uh, there's There's some people that I agree with, like completely, like Beast. He had that fight during um, what was it? uh, The Salvation when Hope actually came back to the time, and it was Second Coming. Yeah, Second Coming, because Beast basically told Cyclops off and said he was no longer going to be part of the X Men team. That felt real, but. Most of these other character moments do like, not feel even, true. I mean, right, the first person Logan goes to is Iceman, Bobby Drake. And even that just seemed like, well, I was going to tell you to get out of my room, but you brought me a beer. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right. There, there's a really good moment in here, though, between Cyclops and Storm. Yes. Where Storm's about to leave. She's going to go side with Wolverine and go with his mm-hmm. team. But Scott's just like, Look, I have Namor, Magneto, Nemesis. He's like, this can't go wrong. I need someone with me in case it does. Mm-hmm. And that's what does it. That's why like Storm's like, okay, it's begrudgingly, but she kind of sees his point. Like and that that moment is is really good in that book. But then you have the exact same moment right after that with the white with the the White Queen or yeah yeah with Emma Frost Emma Frost. And it was but like, she had, she had already made her decision though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like this this is getting back to Scott being kind of like that whiny. Like no, I need your help more. And mm-hmm. I as much as I like Scott stepping up and being the leader, I don't know. Scott's always been kind of like that scrub X Man to me. <laughs> so I like seeing him back in that kind of like oh, I want a team too. 
Like, I don't know. I, I like Cyclops as just, like, the loser, like, goody-goody. And Emma Frost, like she said, like, she already made the decision. But she was just basically being a bitch. Yeah. Um, and you have moments... <clears throat> you have moments where, it, you know, you don't know who it is coming up and talking to... Like the uh, some some people, and it's just like little one yeah the one little panel. Um, Dawn, Danny Morningstar, and whoever she's talking to. So uh, Cannonball. No clue. See, they never they, uh, they never name them. Well, well see, I, you know Cannonball just from he has the head out. That's and, all you know. That's and as soon as they said Paige, I knew that was gonna that was a husk. Like yeah, just but that's just more for me like New Mutants. But th- these two pages. Make me think of a video game where you're walking around like the Xavier Institute and you're talking to people and it's like, I can't talk right now. I gotta go do this. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll see you there later. That's the what this NPCs makes me... into like an RPG. Yeah, it, this... It's basically a two-page spread of six panels on each page where it's just like random X characters, uh-huh. like either saying like, Yeah, I'll come with you, or like, No, I don't think I'm going to. And it just. It, it it just it just falls short, mm-hmm. and it's like when even gets... the arch falls short because look at Gamp, like Billy Tan, you're better than that man. And like, Quentin... there's so many stuff that I don't know. Like Rogue and Magneto are together. I don't know. They're not. That, They're that's talking. what the, that's what that made me feel like. Yeah. This oh, made me feel like they always... have a relationship. Well, they've always had like a relationship. Because they both have white hair? No, they were on like, the Brotherhood together. I don't see. This made me. But think so was they were to, for a little while. This this made me think like they were together. Well, in alternate timelines, they are. But there's always something kind of but underlying. I, there. I don't like. I don't know if I'm just been out of it for so long in the X Men books, because you do have to be immersed in this stuff. And I've been reading them quite a while, and still. I I get lost. Even though I do like that the kids are gathering around home baseball base yeah, to baseball time and to talk about things. Uh, because those were always fun. The Mutant League baseball. Here, here's the thing. I'm I'm not as harsh on this or harsh on this issue as you guys are. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I mean I had questions about who's who. Like uh-huh. what am I I don't know about this relationship, what's happening here. Um but it did kind of make me want to check out the two books that are coming out of this. Like, when I got to the last page and I saw, like, oh, this one came out November 2nd. This one came out October 26th. I have to see if I can get these. I, I do want to follow these, at least these two X-Men books. I got Uncanny number one. I was unable to pick up, even though it was my pick in our 100th episode, Wolverine and the X-Men. Because it was sold out by the time I got there. But I've heard really good things. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the teams that are going to be there. Um, it might not have... this. Like we said, this book was an afterthought. Yeah. It was just thrown together to show, like, no, this. these are the teams. This is the current status quo. They I, I just... this. That's all this book did, is show me what the status quo was, and I want to see what it is. We've seen other books, though, like what John and I were saying with, like, the Justice League's number ones. Every time, like, there's a better way to showcase who the new team is than them going to ever room in the Utopia and be like, you, what, team A or team B? And, like, getting out, but like... this is a very different book, though, because you have Cyclops and Wolverine each going to who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, a couple people sitting around a table discussing, like, okay, How are we this character, this? who are we bringing, like, why do we bring them in? Like, mm-hmm. you, you have them just going around, like, 
picking teams, basically. Right. But there's a lot of times where the characters don't seem right. The character moments don't seem right. Like, well, when I, you're saying it's the storm moment, yes, but there's well, that's, like five other moments that are just, like, No, I'd say there's nonsense. more than that, because the storm moment, that's given, like, a page and a half. Everything mm-hmm. else, you're looking at one or two panels. The Bobby mm-hmm. thing, you're given three pages worth, and it doesn't feel right. I think it was only, like, one No, it was, that's, like, page. the first two pages. Like, there's okay, not that much to it. Page. One page, two pages. Yeah, it, it's a page and a half. Okay. A page and four panels. Out of the five panels that's on that second page. Yeah. I like the like I like the moment, the whole conversation between Psylocke and Wolverine where it's all in their heads. I don't know you know, I I just I'm not an X Men I was never a huge I I love the X Men. In comic book, I've never been a huge X Men fan. Like I loved the X Men cartoon when I was young. I know about the X Men. I have a ton of X Men books. But like, when I became an adult reader, I would read stuff that Chris would let me borrow, and I would, you know, I would like it, or I wouldn't like it. Um, but it's just, like, I, I'm not an X-Men fan. Like, I, but, it, can do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I love the X-Men, mm-hmm. but I'm not an X-Men mm-hmm. fan. Yeah. It's and, like, it's like Scott's a Superman fan. Yeah. But he doesn't like Superman, like, <laughs> Yeah. But, I, don't know, I don't think this was a great book, but... There was enough here that made me want to look into those two books that are coming out of this. Like, I, I want to see, like, what's going to be happening. And, and, I mean, this made me care less. I think this book would be more interesting if it was those characters going to Scott and Logan and saying, I'm with you because of this. Mm-hmm. I'm behind you, not because you're Wolverine, not because you're Cyclops, but... The school is where we need to be. We need to be here to defend this, and this is this is what I believe in. This utopia is where I stand. I think that would have been a little more interesting. Mm. That's how these teams were picked. Not them going around, but the people saying, a line in the sand has been drawn, and now we have to decide where we're at. Mm. There are moments like this where I want to see the scene right before this, where it's Havoc hanging out with Polaris and being like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Yeah, yeah, let me put on my head tiara band. Oh, yeah, 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 let me put on my X-Man suit so I can go out to dinner at this nice restaurant with candelabras. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is a coat and tie event kind of place. How does he get in wearing his Havoc costume? He says he's a health inspector. <laughs> and, and Logan walks up with a beer in his hand like he was just at the bar and then just happened to notice. How did Logan know they were there? Did he smell them, he them out? He smelled them. He smelled them out? Like, it's just so weird. Well, I'm, pretty sure, like I'm pretty sure he got Cameron to call on another line and then yeah. looked at the reservation. <laughs> but this, this was is, thrown together. Like, yeah, it doesn't it have stuff. to make sense. It's more just about saying, like, okay... Here's who's standing with who. But this is the one shot that overthrows and upsets the whole X-Men apple cart. This scene right here in particular tells me that X-Factor is no longer going to be the X-Factor that I've been reading. It is over now. It's going to have Polaris and and, uh, Havoc on it. It's no longer going to be about multiple man. And this is where I'm like, alright, it's a one shot. It should be a jumping on point. But this is my jumping off point for the X-Men universe. This is 
I'm out. I'm done. Like, I picked up, I tried to pick up Wolverine and the X-Men. I'm going to read uh, the Uncanny X-Men to see if I even like it. But, uh, yeah, this might be me leaving the X-Men universe. It's me turn closing that page. I got so many number ones, so many of those DC books to buy, you know. <laughs> All these number ones are coming out. Number ones like... Penguin, Pain and Prejudice from DC Comics. Uh, John, this was uh, your entry. Yeah, um, you know, written by uh, Greg Hurwitz, Simon Goransky. And John, by the way, that's how you do a motherfucking segue. Because we have never had that recorded. Nice. <laughs> uh, and what you have is kind of, you have a book about the penguin, and it's kind of setting up his life and how he got to where he is, and that he's become this kind of almost character of a ruthless man stemmed from, um, you know, being picked on, not being the wanted child, or anything like that, and being a survivor, and getting to where he is. Um, I really like, I like the art in it. It kind of has a... It's a very dark art style. Um, there's... Basically, like, no colors besides, like, black, white, and, like, blues. Blues, yeah. Um, it's very cool in its color scheme. I like how uh, the penguin's drawn in it. You know, just, like, just, just from this one this one picture of him in, um, him in uh, the Iceberg Lounge. And, like, I mean, you, you show him just being just totally... You, you show him being a businessman and yet scrupulous at the same time. Um, you know... Send send more money over to the uh, yeah. to the workers over or to the to the guards over at the docks so they you know will let these things pass. Yeah, grease the pumps. And then somebody knocking into him and making a short joke and then realizing it's the penguin and trying to He's like backpedaling. Backpedal, but take then, the foot out of his mouth. But then the penguin invites him back to his office and says, "Yeah, you're." No, no, you're okay. I'm not going to do anything to hurt you. But here's what happened to everyone in your life. Yeah. Your, your parents, dead. Your girlfriend, dead. Well, he does do something to him. That's what I love about the Penguin. It's not what he'll do to you. It's what he'll have done mm-hmm. to you. And, I mean, they set him up as someone who's this is pushed a... and tried and made you believe that he's somebody, mm-hmm. that you need to fear and respect him. And on the last page of this, you have him back as that little boy getting beat up and made fun of when Batman shows up mm-hmm. and knocks him over and he rips his pants and the people in the Iceberg Lounge, you know, kind of snicker and laugh at him. And he becomes that mm-hmm. kid being bullied again. Unpurposely on Batman... That you know his pants ripped, but it yeah. just shows. It shows him. You set him up all this way, and then all of a sudden, boom! He's back. That kid on the playground, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting in this book. How they played it like that. I don't think this needs to be a miniseries. Like when I was reading it, I feel like okay, I'm just I'm getting info about the penguin. Mm-hmm. I feel like it ends at a good spot. Like I don't need to read anymore. Because you see the penguin growing up, you see everything he went through as a kid, you see why he is the way he is, and how he mm-hmm. kind of developed that affinity for penguins. 
just like yeah they're never lonely like they've got this camouflage like they can put up with anything that, that that's all i need uh yeah. it is it's, it's, it's a very good book like i don't want to sound like it's not i don't need to read any more though like that's especially five exactly yeah. five issues i think it'd be interesting if it was maybe three <clears throat> as a one shot a standalone book mm -hmm. it is really good I would like to see where it goes, because, I mean, who knows? It might hold up. It might... To me, to me this is more yeah. like a Secret Files thing. Like, mm -hmm. this is something that I could read in, like, you know, just, like, a couple pages in, like, a Batman villains, like, mm -hmm. anthology. And I agree with you completely. <clears throat> and uh, it is a good book. I am interested to a point to see where it goes. Maybe after one or two issues, maybe let it fall and not read any more of it. But who knows, it might pick up and it might continue on with, you know, it was a good book that it might, the other issues might continue to be good. Chris, do you remember the Joker's Asylum? Yes. Series? Do you want to guess which Joker's Asylum was the most, the highest selling? Which? Do you, do you want to guess? I, are you talking about like, Why, which one, the first one or the second one? No, no, no. Which villain highlighted in that Joker's Asylum? Uh, which one was the best selling overall? I would guess the Poison Ivy one. I'm gonna think the Penguin one. I would think the Penguin one too, since it got its miniseries because of that. It was written by Jason Aaron. Well, and... we should look into that. Because was the Penguin one actually the best selling, or I think it was the best selling and also the most critically acclaimed. Like, I can't say critically because. It's just internet Most well-reviewed. Yeah, most well-reviewed. Um, but that was written by Jason Aaron. I do enjoy what Greg Hurwitz uh, did here. I do like the setup, and we do get all the history. But I do agree with you. It's a good one-shot. And I love the Penguin being that businessman that's hiding behind the Iceberg Lounge and has his side business and the side like stuff going on, but nobody can pin it on him. Well, and that's what I would run. Yeah. I'd want to see how he gets away with this kind of stuff a little bit more than we get to see in this book because it's kind of like him being overly badass, like, and bossing people around in the middle of his bar. Like, he does just whisper, oh, no, friend, it's okay that you bumped into me. That's fine. Gentlemen, take him. Yeah. Like, you know, and that those little hints were cool, but, man, when you get back there and he's like, yeah, these women are going to Bulgaria, whatever, and strip these auto parts and sell them to the Balkans. It's like, well, how is he getting away with all this? Especially since yeah, Batman. they're paying people off. He talks about yeah. It. Uh, he's very he's very tycoon in this. You mm -hmm. know, he's very like almost like twenties gangster. And it's so much better than him with umbrellas. Yeah, yeah. This is the penguin I want. I want him being the arms dealer to the rest of the villains. I want him to be the fence for when somebody steals something big. He's the one to make sure it gets sold and the villain, the other villains get paid. Like, that's what I want the Penguin to be. And I'm glad it's there. I just don't need five issues of it. Yeah, five issues does seem overkill. I had enough with Jason Aaron's Joker's Asylum, but I guess with the new DCNU. This, this was a, a great issue. I really liked it. Like, I'm kind of sad that it's sat here like a week for me to read it because I just read it right before we recorded. But honestly, like I, I would have felt the same way had I read it like a week ago. If I had read it like a month ago, if I had read it two months ago, like it'd be a great penguin book, mm -hmm. but it's a great penguin book. It doesn't need, need to be a to be penguin a story. Yeah. 
That's why I think that the the only way it got its miniseries was because you know, I, it, it and, must have and, sold really well yeah, before. And, and it feels like it was written before the new. Like it doesn't. This doesn't feel like it fits the new fifty two continuity. Like it was written before. It, it could easily fit in anywhere though. That's yeah. The thing. yeah. But I mean, with what they were doing, that what like two weeks um, the month after yeah. you know the number one came out. This is the next number one where all the number twos are coming out. It just seemed a little odd. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, one of those heroes that you normally see. You don't need to segue. I don't. <laughs> you don't need to. Especially because okay. I was looking up the stuff about the penguin, Paul. <laughs> but I'll continue that later and we can get back to that. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to segue. I don't need to. You didn't need to segue. I just, I'm okay. sorry. That's okay. Um, but yeah, our third final book, um, we're actually looking at DC Comics. I thought you were tossing it to me to segue. You were oh, looking you right at me. I would never do that. I look at you because I'm not looking at the recorder. I'm looking at it. We're still good to record. Mm-hmm. Um, third book, Hunters Number 1, written by Paul Levitz, drawn by Marcus Toe. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Huntress. Um, I just really like the character. I like that mm-hmm. she's just kind of like that darker edge of the Batman family. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that she exists. Um, do you like her because she is actually part of the Batman family, like Earth 2 style? Or do you like her more so as the uh, daughter of a former mafioso? I, I like more... That was killed. It, 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 she's or- an orphan of a mafioso. The origin... I feel like I like the daughter of, like, you know, the failed mob hit kind uh-huh. of more than, like, oh, a daughter of, you know, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, Earth 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to make sure because, you know, we're back in the multiverse now. Because we are back in the multiverse, but I feel like this is a huntress that reads like she could be in either one of those universes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of like her being in the old DCU better, being, like, you know, daughter of a crime family. RDC, RDC, not the old old yes. DCU. It was um, because it's kind of just like that other side of the coin to what Batman is. Mm. Um, she's like you know the daughter of a, a crime family, but she's still there punishing the criminals. You know she's not like the mob enforcer now. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one that's not. She's not going to pull her punch to not kill somebody yes. that deserves it. That she feels deserves it. And I. I much like Jason Todd, I like that she's out there because she's that darker shade of, you know, justice that Batman almost allows out there because it's easier to keep them under wraps and, like, you know, close mm-hmm. than it is to have them out there. Um, but, I don't know, I, I really like Huntress. And right from the get-go, like, yeah. as soon as I start, like, looking at this book, I was like, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Toe is a fantastic artist. I really start to like appreciate him on Red Robin. And I feel like what we're getting here is such a step up from what he did in Red Robin. I don't know if it's like the coloring. Or the big boobs. Honestly, it's, I'm not even going to attribute it to boobs, Paul. This is okay. your boob episode. <laughs> I know. It's my um, I don't even no, know anymore. Actually, I don't know how many references. The episode we lost That's was Paul's boobs. No, this will easily be coming <laughs> yeah. a boob episode. I don't know how many references I've made now. but More, more than when I might be overcompensating now from the last one. I, it's his artwork. I don't know if it's just grown from him doing like more monthly stuff mm-hmm. or what, but I feel like it's so much more detailed. There, it's 
it's, it's bigger in scope. It's real. The art is really good. The layouts, how the panels are laying on the page, are really great. But I think a lot is the the colors. You know, the purple and the darks, and then even the border has like this great flow to it yeah. and and look. And that second page where it's that splash page with the colors. I mean, it just has this great sunset in the background with her wearing this great purple dress. Um, looks great. And then you go from these dark pages to boom. That day in light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's night and day. And I mean, that's what I would say is you know, that he goes from Huntress panels and the gutters are purple to the day panels where she's Helena... I'm not even sure her I, I, last I'm, name. Anymore. I'm pretty sure this is like Earth Two. Like this is Helena Wayne now. Because and it goes to white gutters and white, you know, between the panels, it's all white. It's then that's and where you get it's the brighter night. and it looks. It looks. I mean, it does. It looks really. Mm. When yeah. she shows off a little bit of uh, fighting skill, it kind of goes into this weird gray. That's here. a green. That, that's it's like a sea foam green kind of. Sorry, guys. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Colorblind. Colorblind. You know, this is what I'm saying. Like, oh, she's a girl. And then, oh, well, see, it goes a little gray there, but not. Yeah. See, I wish they kind of carried it out more, like here. If, but in the next panel, right. it's, yeah. you go right back into the purple board, uh, borders. That little hint I was enjoying through it, through the book for the art. And yeah. I just wanted to say it. It is it's a great book. Um, Huntress is a character I've always liked. I do. I, I like this book. I'm glad that you picked it up and that you're going to be picking it up because yeah. when I saw Huntress having a miniseries, I was like, uh, I might. I was. I was about to mark it down for me, and I was like, Oh, Chris already got it. Yeah. Hey, as soon as, as, soon as I saw Huntress miniseries, I was like, I'm there. The um, one thing I like, I'm not a fan of the mask. I think because the mask it has like too big of ears, like it looks like bat ears. Mm-hmm. Where I always liked it kind of when it was just kind of her own mask, almost like a. I mean, it still had the bat, but it was almost mm-hmm. kind of like a crownish thing that she wore. Well, that's more from like the Jim Lee mm-hmm. redesign from Hush. Um, I am glad that they got rid of the tummy window that she had because that was just yeah. pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like really you just had like the center portion of your costume cut hey. out. So like, people could shoot you in the gut better. Basically. Hey, all I know is abs are a hard thing to have. And if I had them, I'd probably be walking around with a tummy window also. We'd make you put but, money in the douchebag. Yes, <laughs> the douchebag car. I really feel like just like that headdress was more of Jim Lee showing that she's part of Batman's circle. Um, mm-hmm. Just more to kind of show her as she's a vigilante operating in Gotham. She is associated with Batman. Well, I, no, I think this mask seems a little too baddish, with like the ears on the side. But that's that's how the the hush one was. Yeah, that's basically how it works. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Paul Levitz's writing because, yeah. as somebody that has just read the Paul Levitz Legion of Superheroes, <laughs> this is just so much more modern style comic books than what we get from Paul Levitz on Legion of Superheroes. You don't have those balloons of describing who this character is, what their powers are. You need that in Legion. You don't need it here, and it isn't here. You don't have characters talk, you know, talking about what they're going to do and why they're going to do it in word balloons. This feels written by like a modern comic book writer, even though it's Paul Levitz, who's a veteran. And sometimes with those veteran writers, you get too much dialogue 
per pan, you know, per panel, and they don't trust the artist enough, this feels masterfully done. This feels like somebody that understands where the comic comics medium is now. And I, I mean, I think because it's more of a, I mean, she's been around forever, but she's more of a modern day kind of character. Where like the Legion, even though it takes place in the future, it's such an old feeling book, you know that. All right, I'm gonna read it, write a Legion book. This is how a Legion book is written. Okay, I'm gonna do a. Uh, a she's young, an Earth Two character, a younger, maybe. She, a, 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 a younger, certain. but uh, she's a younger superhero traveling to Italy. This is where she's this a, needs definitely a vigilante, gray side, not. Yeah, you know that's where this needs to be. And Paul Levitz created the Huntress, mm-hmm. like. This is his baby, literally. Like, he made this character. So I feel like him kind of coming back to her in, like, the modern setting, in the, you know, the yeah. new DCU, it gives him, the like, the ability to be like, okay, no, I can just kind of, like, sit back, have her be the character that I wanted her to be, like, that she was. Like, she's going to Italy to investigate a smuggling ring. And it turns out to be more than she thought it was. Like, it's not just... Guns coming, it's sex trafficking. It's, it's it's very grounded from what he does and what you would have to do when you're writing a Legion book. And I feel like that's its best strength because you don't have to be like, oh, this is real Drax. You know, like, oh, this is this character. Oh, this, this is this home character. Pirate. Yeah. All you need to know is, okay, this is Helena Bernelli, Helena Wayne, whoever she is. Mm-hmm. Boom, here she is. She's busting up smuggling ring. Go. Like she that. has a contact at the Daily Planet, and that's why she's talking to reporters. And the villains she are she is facing are like real world villains. They're shooting their uh, sub lieutenants in the head and smuggling people and trying to make money wherever they can. Yeah, you know she's not up against super villains. She's yeah. up against the mob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I know. I love this book. I I love the Huntress as a character. Um, I'm always glad to see her in something, especially when it's done well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm glad this book is here. I'm kind of sad that they had Gilliam March do the cover for it because he's just that over the top sexy cheesecake kind of artist. And I feel like that kind of disgraces this book a little bit because as soon as you open it up and you see Marcus Toe's art there, it's just like, man, it is do the cover. Like, cause... But it's the this... opposite of how I felt about the X-Men yeah. book. Because, I mean, honestly, like, Marcus Toe, his artwork's, like, gorgeous in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I I would have loved to have seen that on the cover before Gilbert But this is not as bad as any of the Catwoman covers we've got so far. True. And Catwoman number two I did not pick up. Um, was that on this one or the other one? I have no idea. No, that was on this one. Okay. Um, but that kind of wraps us up for the books that we've talked about this month. If there were books that you wanted us to review on the show, email us. If you disagree with our reviews, definitely email us. Contact at bagandwordcast.com. Like us over at Facebook? Yeah, like us on the Facebook. Even chat us up on Facebook if you're already our friends. Yeah, we'll, we'll we like it. Yeah. We Tell post, your friends. We post pictures of what we're talking about on each episode, what beer we're drinking. Just... Put a, put a comment there. Yeah, as soon as we start uh, recording, I take a picture and I put it up there just so uh, you can see, get a little like precursor to what we're going to be doing on the new show. 
That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say, too. So we'll see you next week. When Are we going to be doing our October look back? No. I think this was our October no, look back. No, this book came out. Oh, no, wait, maybe we That were. was October. This yeah, that was October. Yeah, September was the number ones. The, yeah. What well, wasn't the number ones? This is our top October look back. I've, I've had a busy I, month. I think we're talking about our our book or trade, our trading post. Are we going to do uh, Craig Thompson? Uh, it was either Craig Thompson's uh, Habibi or it was going to be your vampire book, American Vampire. When do we do American Vampire? Well, we do American Vampire. Tune in next week when we discuss <laughs> American Vampire. The first trade. From Scott that. Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. There we go. Weren't backups done by Stephen King? Um, Stephen King did backup stories, yes. Each issue had a like two, three-page backup story written by Stephen King. That's cool. And it's a Marvel book then? No, it's um, Vertigo. Vertigo, wow. Because I know he's got his properties through Marvel. That's, right. That's, that's all that's Peter his... David. That's Dark Tower. That's yeah. Dark Tower, and that's like licensed work that he already had book series of. This is new work from Stephen King that right. he wrote especially for Vertigo. Nice. We'll talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. And our movie review will be... Oh, we, we, oh, don't, we don't do, do those anymore. anymore. Paul, what do you care? You never did them anyway. I know, I never <laughs> watched them. Just turn it off.